Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living A Course of Miracles. This is season three, and it's called The Course. This is episode three, Atonement, Idols, God, and Holy Spirit. These words are deeply rooted in religion and in man-made concepts. The interesting part is that although they are words in Bibles and religious scripts, these words are grounded in spirit. These words are the way out of the reality we have chosen for ourselves. These words are reality, and these words are the way. I struggle with religion and the Bible because of its patriarchal terms and beliefs. It seems baffling to me that a book that did not show women in a most favorable light and religions that delegate women to second-class citizens could be what God had intended. Even gender identifying God as a male. I know he did not want women treated more favorably than men. I also know that the bearers of life would have had at least, at the very least, been treated equally. In most religions, this is not so. A Course in Miracles is crystal clear on the equality of all God's children. God did not want any of his children treated anything less than he would treat them. The only way out of this, for all of us, is to treat one another with love respect, and equality. The atonement, or atonement. Atonement means correction and undoing of errors. Some people see atonement as confession. Confession of sins. In Christian theology, it can be reached only through Jesus Christ. Reconciliation is associated with atonement. One must reconcile their sins and make things right again according to the laws and rules of religion. Atonement, in these terms, feels like a punishment. To make it right, you need to be punished for what you did. The problem with this concept is that God never punishes his children. God God knows we will make mistakes and errors. He only asks that we correct them. To make amends and to change our behaviors, our choices, and our minds. How do we make amends for our errors? How do we correct our mistakes? I know that is entirely an individual task with no set guidelines or rules for doing so. Guidance is provided for the asking, but we would have to be fully open when it gets presented to us. Opportunities present themselves all the time. It's whether you are present and willing to seize it when it appears before you. I went a long time not speaking to my father. I struggled with this for many years and always felt like something was missing in my life. Then one day, a long time ago, after work, I went to visit my sister at her work. She ran a restaurant and it was a very hot early summer day. And I wanted her company and a cold drink. I remember moving out of the sunlight into the darkened restaurant I removed my sunglasses to refocus my eyes in the darker setting of the restaurant. My eyes immediately fell upon someone sitting at the bar. It was my dad. He was right in front of me. I did not get to say anything before he spoke up and said, If you have a minute, I'd like to talk to you. Opportunity. It was presented to both of us that day. We both could have chosen to say nothing. I could have walked across the restaurant and ignored him. He could have turned away and told himself, another day I'll talk to her. 
I have talked to my father regularly since that day. We were able to correct errors and mistakes from the past and choose to let that day be the start of who we were and would be to one another. That was 27 years ago. (laughs) My father has been a big part of my life since. My children all have a wonderful relationship with him, and he and I took the opportunity, presented, and made corrections to errors gone by. Atonement is a choice. We can go our entire lives and choose not to correct the errors or mistakes we make. Some may seem impossible to correct if done to or with a person who has passed. But the correction still is only made by you. It would be your forgiveness and willingness to let go of the mistake that would serve as atonement. We do not require anyone to agree, forgive, or offer their forgiveness to atone for any mistakes or errors we have made. Atonement works at the soul level. It corrects perception and releases us from the burdens of our errors. It only requires your participation. If it includes another, then that is a miracle. The dictionary definition of atone or to atone, which is a verb, means to make amends or reparations for an offense or wrongdoing. It does not suggest what kind of amends or reparations. It also says that the word atone came to English as a contraction of the words at and one. If we were to change the way we pronounced it and called it at one, the word at is used as a function word to indicate presence or occurrence in, on, or near. At one would suggest a wholeness, a place in space and time where we were at one with ourselves. The English language is a complicated language with many contractions and contradictions, but at one seems the perfect formula to achieve atonement. The next topic is idols. The word idol is a noun. There are two similar meanings. The first, an image or representation of a god used as an object of worship. The second is a person or thing that is greatly admired, loved, or revered. I grew up as a Christian, so the word idol for me was a representation of a god. I remember reading the words, ye shall make no ye shall make you no idols and it went on the course refers to idols in both contexts and focus more on the person aspect the book clearly states that nothing beyond you can be fearful or loving because nothing is beyond you everything that happens to you is because of you and not factors beyond you this is difficult for people to accept We want to assign blame and to think that others or other factors played a role in our mistakes. We want to believe that others have the power to hurt us and to ruin us. No one has that power. God would not even consider that an option. We were given the power to create like God so we could be more like our Father. We choose what we do with that power. God lives in us, in our minds, and it is our minds that, and it is that, sorry, and it is in in our minds that we are innocent and holy. Just because 
we choose not to see it does not mean it's not there. When we worship people or things as being more important than other people or things, then we have idolized those things. We have made false idols. We have chosen to assign more value and importance to those things. When we do that, we set ourselves up for pain and hurt. Eventually, those things leave, if they're people. They leave us either because they move on, pass away, or did not choose us. If it's a thing, we could lose it, break it, or someone could steal it. With either outcome, both will end in pain and suffering. When we use idols to make ourselves feel loved, then we have yet to understand what love really is. Love does not come from idols. Love comes from God to us, and with that, we extend it to others. It sounds cliche, but love is an inside job. We cannot give it to others with the condition that they must give it back in return. That is not love. We cannot look for it from others and hope that it is what we are looking for. That is not love. God gave us his love and it is in us to give it and share it with others. The book refers to sickness as an idol. That our preoccupation with sickness, both physical and mental, is our belief that our power can be taken away from us. Creation shares power and never takes it away. We are part of God who is all-powerful. He shares his power with us. There are no idols in heaven. Why would there be? We are all one, all part of our Father who created us. In the kingdom of heaven, we appreciate the creative power of God and honor that power by accepting it as our own. It has been said many times that the kingdom is here on earth. The Lord's Prayer even states it, and I quote, on earth as it is in heaven. Are they just words to us? Do we memorize and recite these words, but not fully understand them? The kingdom of heaven is here and can be accessed whenever we want it. But it does not live in the past or in the future or in idols. It lives in us, in our minds and in our souls. If we believe we do not have the power to access it, then we will not have the power to access it. We will hear the God we listen to. If sickness is your idol, then it will be sickness that you follow and accept as part of you. Sickness will become your guide. You cannot be perfect and sick. If God created you perfect, and he did, if you believe you can be sick, you are worshipping an idol. Stress, fear, anxiety, all creations of the idol of sickness. The book states that we have a split mind, a mind that is made up of an ego and our spirit. That this separation, this split, has made us vulnerable to mistakes and errors. Idols are ego-based, and if we seek them, we cannot fully see what our spirit sees and knows is real and true. I stated at the beginning, my memory of idols was the statement, ye shall make you no idols. While I am not a huge follower of religion, I do find it remarkably interesting that what I chose to remember 
was that idols are false and did not honor our father, but replaced him. Speaking of our father, the next topic is God. Our father, the creator, Allah, Buddha, Krishna, Jehovah, Yahweh, Abba, and there's so many more, etc., etc. Some of them I am not sure I would pronounce correctly, so I didn't. I decided not to say them all. All are names given to God. The universe is God. We cannot be alone in the infinity, and the infinity has no end. There is no such thing as being beyond limitless. What has no limits must be everywhere. God has no beginning and no ending. He just is. Our denial of his existence may arrest it in time, but not in eternity. Time is our creation here in this world. If we stop believing accepting that it has limits, then we would accept our limitless power and existence as God's children, one with God now and forever. There are no contradictions in the universe. What is good for God is good for us. This idea that God is the supreme being who rules and judges everyone is false, just as false as idols are. God has a place in our minds as we have in his. How can you ever be alone if he is always there? Our love is as full and endless as is his because our love is his. To give without limits is God's will for all of us. He wants us to awaken to the understanding that we are one with him and in turn one with each other. The idea that God has an ego and will judge and hold us accountable for our sins is our interpretation of God, an ego's interpretation, one that makes us afraid of him. Love has no limits and what it creates, it's, and sorry, and what it creates is not limited. God loves us with no conditions and with no condemnation for our errors and mistakes. We are his children and we will never, and sorry, he will never abandon or punish his children no matter what errors or mistakes we make. God's will is that we are his children and by being his children, we will accept one another as brothers and sisters. The ego makes us think that God exists as separate from us. If we believe this, then we will think he is outside of us and therefore not inside and a part of us. We cannot be happy unless we do what is willed for us to do. We cannot change what we are and we cannot find happiness unless we accept and understand who we truly are. We fear God because we do not realize we are the same. God's will is that his children be one and you end united with him in his oneness. You can only heal yourself. We need healing because we do not understand ourselves and therefore know not what we do. Having forgotten our true purpose, we do not know what we really want. God is love and God is the father of creation. We can call him by any name we choose. He knows our love and our will. He is with us always and wills that we return to the memory of that oneness. Our life's purpose is counting on it.
The next topic is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was given the name of Spirit. I believe it was to remind us who is closest to us. It has no gender, but unlike, I like to refer to it as female. The Holy Spirit is our healer, comforter, and guide. The Holy Spirit heals us by helping us see what we forgot. To interpret errors and mistakes of others is to give them power. And if we do this, we will never see truth. The Holy Spirit knows first we need to heal. We need to let go of everything we think this world is and why it exists. We need to see our connection to our Father and believe in it with wholeness and oneness. We cannot partly believe or believe in some of it, but not all of it. Healing requires a leap of faith and acceptance that things are not what we tell ourselves they are. This one thing is always true. Every loving thought is true. Everything else is an appeal for healing, no matter what forms it takes. We always judge what we do not understand. To fail to recognize a call for help is to refuse help. If you cannot help another, it means you do not know who you truly are. You need healing and help with that healing. Our interpretation of our brother's needs is our interpretation of our own. Let me explain. Judgment is not of God, but the Holy Spirit is able to judge our interpretations and assist us in changing them. I have a friend who was deeply hurt by the words spoken to her from another woman who she believed to be her friend. Those words were judgmental, spiteful, and a little cruel. I told this friend that those words were only a reflection of how that person felt about themselves. It had nothing to do with her. Our perception of others is our understanding of ourselves. We attack others with words that are how we feel about ourselves. The Holy Spirit wants us Sorry, the Holy Spirit wants to clear those thoughts and help replace them with loving ones. She is our comforter. She will come when you invite her in. She will not come as an unwanted guest. She replaces fear with love and translates error into truth. The separation is just the denial of unity. The Holy Spirit can help us find our way back. The Holy Spirit asks that we recognize what does not matter. If someone asks us for something, do it because it does not matter. Refuse and your decision suggests it does matter to you. No outrageous request can be made of anyone who recognizes what is important and real and accepts nothing else. The Holy Spirit is our guide. Seek and you shall find. The Holy Spirit helps us to find what we are looking for. She helps us on our journey of discovering who we really are and why we're here. We will undertake a journey here because this is not our home. If we believe our destination is outside of us, then our search will be futile. The Holy Spirit knows where our home is and she will guide us to it. That is her mission and her purpose. The Holy Spirit guides us into life eternal. But to find it, we must go 
we, sorry, we must let go of our belief in death and its finality. And we will not, and if we don't, we will not see the life that is all around us. Our father gave us help. He willed us the freedom to choose and interpret this world as we see it. He made sure he built in a safety net for us. The Holy Spirit guided Christ in his journey in this world. Jesus accepted that guidance and fulfilled his purpose to show God's other children that life was eternal, and he did that through his resurrection. We are offered the same assistance. Why not accept it? The course episodes are a prelude to an online course I will offer this fall. My intention with this is to share my interpretation of the teachings of the book in my own words to help you understand what and how you can benefit from shifting your perception and your thoughts to a place that will bring you love, peace, and happiness. Thank you for listening. Uh, In two weeks, we'll have episode four, which is guilt, truth, holy instant, and forgiveness. Remember, this is our journey. Let us keep finding our way. Have a spirit-filled days, sending lots of light. Love always, Denise.